is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 458, recorded on Tuesday, October the 29th, 2019. Jason, how are you doing this fine Tuesday? I am doing rather well. Christopher, how are you? I am pretty good. Super, super busy with all kinds of things going on, but not too busy to record a podcast, mind you. That's good. I know, it is good. We're a couple of days out from Halloween, too. You got big plans? Uh, no, 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 no plans. We're going to walk around the neighborhood for about 15, 20 minutes, taking Jasper to uh, probably two, three houses, and that'll be the end of that. It will be, until he realizes that he's getting free candy, and then he might get a little more into it. Oh, it's going to be a disaster trying to get him to come home, but that's why we're trying to limit it to 15, 20 minutes. We're going to say that you can't have any candy till we get home, and we're going to be home before dark, and uh, and then when we get home, I'm going to teach him about uh, income tax. Of course. 50% of the candy goes to well, the tax man. <laughs> well, it depends on how much he gets, right? Like, if he gets just a little bit, I'm only going to take like 10 or 20%, but if he gets like a whole boatload, I'm going to take like 40 Right. Right? It's a sliding scale depending on income. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I like it. It's good. It's yeah. a good teaching moment, teaching opportunity. Ex- exactly. How else are you supposed to teach him uh, about income taxes? Like, well, this candy goes towards your welfare. It puts the heat and the and uh, the cool in the summer and all the food on your, on your table and stuff. You got to pay for that. And right. This is how you do it. Nothing's for free these days. That's right. Or ever. Sounds good. Well, uh, Halloween, yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, my kids are old enough to just go out on their own now, so that's what they do. Yeah. Are you dressing up? I was thinking about putting on my Batman costume, but I don't really like my Batman costume, so I probably won't. No. It's too too much latex rubber for one day? No, it's not enough latex rubber. It's a cheap, crappy Batman costume that is just not that cool, so I don't feel good or comfortable in it. I, what I want is a real Batman suit. Like, you know, head to toe latex rubber. Yeah. Proper. You'd like. Yeah, totally. Okay. Of, of yeah. course. Proper that utility belt. You know, everything. Uh-huh. That would be very cool. Lots of things hanging on your utility belt and your latex rubber suit. That totally. Like fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think that sounds like a great time. Uh, word of advice. Bring, uh, bring lube and uh, baby powder. To get in and out of it? Exactly, yeah. That's what yeah. you need to get in and out of a latex rubber soup. Is soup. <laughs> latex rubber suit <laughs> is uh, baby powder and then uh, some kind of lubricant, okay. I believe. Okay. You know, well, I've heard. I was going to say you would know, but maybe you wouldn't. I'm more into leather. Got it. Okay. Well, with that out of the way, everyone, we are here, of course, to talk about Season 10, Episode 4 of The Walking Dead, and I think we should begin doing that right now. Surely. Silence the whispers. So what do you guys want to do about the whispers? All right, zip it. You, you can't even... Zip it. Zip. Look, all Ladies I'm... and gentlemen of the jury, exhibit A. Number two, would you please back Look, me up? Look, I'm zippy long stockings. <sighs> I can't... When a problem comes along, you must zip it. Zip it good. Okay, we'll just silence the whispers. Thank you, Gemma in South Wales and Lee in St. Catharines for those title reads. And of course, now we're going to get in trouble for playing a clip from Austin Powers. I don't know if that was an actual clip. I think that was a redoing. I don't, 
I don't no. think the voices were quite right. Is that an actual clip? That was an actual clip from the movie, yeah. I'll probably boost the volume a little. I'm not entirely sure. Well, I'm pretty sure. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, anyways, thank you to you guys for those title reads. Of course, this episode was called Silence the Whisperers, for pretty obvious reasons when you watch it. Um, and it was the fourth episode of season 10. Yeah. Well, if it was the real audio, all we have to do is say that, uh, I really liked that movie and that, uh, that clip was an example, uh, a very good example of why Austin Powers was uh, a really good movie. It is a great movie. In fact, I enjoy all the Austin Powers movies. Here we go. Now it's commentary and falls under fair use. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode of Walking Dead was written by Geraldine Inouye, I think. I'm not sure of the pronunciation on that, but she's been a staff writer on the show for a couple of years and directed by our very own Michael Cudlitz, as we mentioned last week. So mm -hmm. Mr. Cudlitz is back to direct and so far doing a bang up job, job, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Well, let's begin this episode. We start with kind of an opening montage of stuff going on around Alexandria. And we start with Daryl coming to dinner with Michonne and the family. He tries to take some food up to Carol in her room, but he leaves it outside the door. So she doesn't come to get it immediately. Uh, although we do see her pick up that tray uh, later on in the montage. So she's eating. That's good. Yep. That is good. Uh, we see people doing stuff around Alexandria. Sadiq goes outside at night. He's clearly still struggling with his uh, PTSD. Lydia's out there. Father Gabe walks by. We see Carol wrapping up her arm. And uh, then we get, a like for The Walking Dead, a fairly extended sex scene between Magna and Yumiko. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was pretty graphic. Right, a Walking Dead. I mean, we don't usually get that in The Walking Dead. We, you know, you get some kissing every now and again, but this is pretty, pretty graphic. It, it was for, I mean, this this kind of graphicness, right? We get all kinds of gore and heads exploding and stuff like that, but this is a little more sexy time graphic. Uh, yeah, obviously, right. Um, we see Ezekiel. He can't sleep and appears to be experiencing some sort of distress. Another character who's having a hard time coping with things. And uh, he, of course, is at Hilltop. And he hears something outside, looks out the window, and it turns out a massive tree has, like, crashed down over the wall at Hilltop. People are beginning to panic, uh, and they're sort of calling for help. You can hear people in trouble. and before you know we go to the opening credits and all of this is set to some music with this kind of unusual chanting of like one two three one two three one two three in sort yeah. of a whisper under it i didn't have time to look it up i don't know if that's part of the song or if that was added sort of underneath the song as kind of a weird whispery thing well that's a good question. I have no idea. I do know that the uh, the song was actually a six eight, so saying one two three one two three one two three was wrong. It should be one two three four five six. Okay, yeah, fair. Uh, so that's one thing. But the the whispering, um, it might have been added afterwards. But then again, you know, uh, some people add whispering to songs, like the uh, the Doors, Riders on the Storm, on their last album. Uh, Jim Morrison was singing, but then underneath that, somebody's whispering the lyrics along with the singing. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's, and it's really effective. 
So this kind of thing, it could. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's part of the song. My guess would be it's part of the song. Yeah, I think it was pretty cool. It was it was really sort of an effective uh, thing for this music, anyways. Of course, because we have the whisperers and just stuff like that. And it was a little unsettling almost. So if it is part of the song, great. If not, it was a good addition for this show, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And if, uh, if you're ever building a fort and I mean like a fort, like the hilltop is where you actually have walls and you want to protect what's inside the walls from things outside the walls getting in, what you do is you clear a friggin' area around the fort so that trees don't fall and break your walls. It's mm-hmm. called the killing field. That's what you do. You clear out the whole area so you can see shit coming from a long ways away. You don't want a forest right next to your fort, even though that would look cool. Uh, it means that somebody can sneak up within two or three inches of your walls before you notice them. Right. So clear your goddamn killing field around your fort. Let me ask people. you a question. Is it called the killing field because you kill everything there to clear it out? Or is it called the killing field because it gives you an opportunity to kill your enemies as they approach? That's where it, it's called the killing field because, field because that's where you kill your enemies. Got it. When they're coming close. That's, uh, that's the intended purpose of that cleared area is where the battle should take place outside your walls. <laughs> right. If the battle's taking place inside your walls, you've probably already lost. Yeah. So yeah. they obviously have this tree, whether, uh, you know, whether the tree was knocked down on purpose or just fell down. I mean, trees fall down, right? Yeah, they do. But it comes up later in this episode that it's probably not an accident. Well, how do you, how do you knock over a tree? Without anyone knowing? Yes, I, I get yeah. it. That's, that's difficult. Sawing like a, a tree down makes sound, makes noise, but... Uh, like a sharp, a sharpened spoon for, you know, three or four years. Sure. <laughs> that, that would do it, but yes, it's going to take a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, that, uh, yeah, trees don't just fall down. I mean, usually it's windy when trees fall down, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's a tree falling down. It's in the process of falling down in the, uh, uh, in the, 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 uh, the park across the street from my house. There's this tree. It started falling over. And it's been leaning more and more and more on other trees and it's slowly coming down. But, uh, that, that I don't think trees just don't fall down. I think they, they need to have a little bit of wind or something. Right. Or someone chopped them down as a weapon, which is what happened in this case. Trees get chopped down every day. Yeah. That's right. So we come back from the opening credits. We are still at Hilltop and people are all out now. They're jumping into action. Some are clearly trapped and injured. Uh, the tree has crashed down a portion of the fence and on top of a barn, so people are trapped in there. Uh, Alden and Earl kind of take charge, start telling people what to do, and then Connie and Luke speculate that it was the whisperers who cut down this tree, causing it to fall on them. And Earl says, of course it was them. We were already at war, we just didn't know it. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it is a coincidence. It's an absolute big coincidence, but I call bullshit on the tree altogether. Like every aspect of this tree, I call bullshit on. The tree being there, the tree falling down, the tree being cut down, uh, everything. Well, I I don't see it as that much of a problem. I mean, maybe they should have cleared their killing field, sure, but they didn't. And this giant tree was, uh, was next door to it. 
Um, yes, to be fair, it's not an easy thing to do without being noticed. But if you can get past that, it's a pretty good way to <laughs> cause some pandemonium at Hilltop. By it, That's a massive tree that they, they dropped on it. So it's going to do a lot of damage. It is. It absolutely is. But, how, yeah, like I say, how do you do it? Right, that's the question. How do you do it? The uh, same way you get the tiger over the over the wall in uh, <laughs> right in the end of, the, of uh, that season, whatever season that was, five, six. I don't know. Back then, yeah, same way the tiger got over. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you you fell a tree onto the wall, make a gap, uh, and then have a tiger go through, all in with absolute silence and surprise. That's right. Well, anyways, um, Ezekiel has run outside, of course, and he's just kind of standing there sort of taking it all in, but clearly upset. Jerry asks him what they should do, but he doesn't really have an answer for him. And then Magna and Yumiko step up and start planning to expand the inven- uh, the infirmary because they're going to need more room for these injured people. And, you know, the king just continues to stand there, unable to really do anything. And they start to hear lots of zombies outside banging on the wall that remains standing. Yeah. So things are not going so well right now. It's also nighttime, so there's panic. Probably some people were woken up from sleep and uh bad situation all around. So how often do you think people from the hilltop do um rounds to make sure that no zombies are kicking around? Well, I that tree fell down and all of a sudden there's zombies, right? Well, it's a big loud noise, so they would be attracted to that. Uh, but you're right. They're probably always doing rounds to make sure that there aren't too many zombies around. That would be smart. And wouldn't the, uh, the whispers like be soaking up all the zombies in the state? Like that's their whole reason for, for being is to, to gather their herds. So, uh, I, I just, okay. First of all, they're in the middle of the woods. How many people are in the middle of the woods to become zombies? And what, anyway, it just. It seems all kind of awfully convenient if it's not a plot by the Whisperers to attack well, uh, the hilltop. It clearly is a plot by the Whisperers. The Whisperers have done two things now. They have sent wave after wave of zombies to Alexandria as an attack, and they have sent a tree and a big crowd of zombies to hilltop as an attack. So they, they knocked down the tree, and those zombies weren't there by coincidence. They are uh, Whisperer zombies. Right. So they pushed down a tree and brought a bunch of zombies. Exactly. In the dead of night. Okay. This is what they do. They did it at night so no one could see them coming. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, I want you to... I, I'm stuck on this tree. I'm stuck on the tree. I can't get over the tree. How do you get a tree to fall down without any noise? Well, I'm not saying they didn't do it without creating any noise. Um, and, and yes, that is a... Um, suspension of disbelief moment, I think, uh, which I apparently am able to do. But I also think, yeah, you know, maybe the tree was dying. Maybe it was a dead tree that they hadn't gone out to clear yet. So it was easier to bring down than a fully healthy living tree. I don't know. Yeah. Except that when you're building a fort and you're, uh, you usually need wood for whatever reason, their barn, their stairs, their, uh, the stuff inside Hilltop, they need a lot of wood for. Wouldn't you cut down trees that are close to the walls first and move out? Yeah. So somebody loved this tree. It's like, I don't know. You just, they tied a red ribbon around that tree and said, leave that tree. I love that tree. I want that tree right there. That was a climbing tree I used to climb when I was 10 years old. Before the apocalypse, I want that tree there. The tree's dying. It's like, I don't care. Leave the tree there. 
Well, you see, and, you just explained it. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So I have to go a long way to explain it. They, they also have, you know, cornfields and things like that out there, other crops, you know, so maybe they have cleared a significant amount of area. We know that in front of the hilltop gates, there are wide open spaces of things like that. So like, I just don't feel like it's that big of a deal because maybe right. they hadn't got to that section of forest yet. They're working okay. through it. I'll get past it. I'll get past it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somehow we have a plot device tree we sitting got outside their, their, their fence. Exactly. And if that's the worst plot device in the world, I think I'm okay with it. I could easily explain it by it being an ant. If it was an ant, that'd be fine. Uh-huh. Because then it's just, uh, you know what an ant is? Is it one of those big tree creatures? That uh, the Lord of the Rings, they walk around in the forest, they picked up... Uh, yeah. Yeah. An ant is... Uh, that. Yeah, they're basically walking trees. So I can believe that it's an ant that got tired and fell over. Well, let's go with that then. <laughs> got <laughs> tired and fell over. <laughs> I'm just going to sleep here. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they're, you know... <laughs> Maybe he got really old. Maybe he's the last ant alive, and they're affected by the zombie virus too, and just died. So, yeah, and just died. And better cut that, bring that thing down, because it's going to come back. And then you got yourself a zombie ant. And good lord, that'd be bad. That does sound like it would be bad. All right, where are we? We go over to Alexandria now, and we've got Aaron doing some training on Whisperer fighting. Lydia is kind of taking a look. And of course, Gage, Alfred, and Margot are there, and they start making fun of Lydia by putting on a burlap mask, like Ala the Whisperers. Clearly, they don't like her at all. They call her a freak, and they tell her to get the hell out of here, really meanly. Uh, yeah, and in front of a whole bunch of other people, so they're leaving a trail. They sure are being being assholes. Well, they are leaving evidence of their true personalities. Exactly. So they're a bunch of jerks. Uh, we go over to Michonne. She is on the road on her way to Hilltop and a few other people are with her, of course, including Judith. They're just chatting. She tells Judith not to worry about things, but Judith says she, she can be a friendly set of ears or a fresh set of eyes if mom, you want to talk to me about anything. And, uh, they do. So, and then Michonne starts talking about Alpha and compa- compares her to a bully and she says to measure your enemies by their actions, not their word. So don't trust your enemies. Well, of course. I mean, that does seem like good advice. Don't trust your friends. No. In fact, measure everybody by their actions. It's what people do, not what they say. Yeah. I mean, if you absolutely need to rely on somebody, uh, don't rely on them because they say they're reliable. That's usually a bad sign. Right. I'm perfectly reliable. You can rely on me. I promise. I promise. That never works out. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a really good scene. I like this a lot. I think that uh, Michonne and Judith have really great on-screen chemistry. And, you know, what's her name? Kaylee Fleming, who plays uh, Judith, I think is getting better and better, to be honest she with you. She is. She's doing a really, really good job. Yeah, totally. I mean, she's able to be serious when she needs to, uh, be a little like be, be really emotional or sad when she needs to, and also be a bit, um, kid, kid-like, right? She makes a crack at, at, in this, uh, conversation with Michonne about how, you know, putting her, putting her brother to sleep, they let him run around, tire himself out, stuff like that. And, and then she finishes it off with, you know, RJ is actually good for something, see? And that's funny. <laughs> that's the kind of thing a sibling would say. 
Yeah. No, it, it, it was really good. It was a great conversation and a good, uh, good touching moment. Yeah. Did that work for you when your kids were young to let them run around until they got tired and fall asleep? You know, not really specifically, but if we did have a busy day where we were out in a park or something like that, not specifically trying to tire them out, they would definitely fall asleep quick if they were exhausted from the day. Right. That wouldn't work with, with Jasper. He would just run around forever. Like I have yet to see him stop doing that on his own. He's never fallen asleep on his own. He kind of nodded off once while he was in his high chair. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, but no, without ex- explicit intervention, he will, n- he's never gone to bed. I mean, you could just put him in bed and say, don't leave this bed until the morning and see what happens. Uh, yeah, he would yell and scream and, uh, get very, very worked up until you let him out of the bed or did something else. Like it wouldn't, it's, it's never worked. Not once. Hmm. Well. If he doesn't want to go to bed, he's not going to bed. He's just like his mom. He's stubborn as hell. <laughs> and me, I'm stubborn as hell too, but. Yeah, that's right. Just include yourself in there. Not just, bl- don't just blame your wife. No, I'm, uh, yeah, we're both, uh, we're both extremely pig-headed and stubborn and never uh, give up on our will. And Jasper is exactly like that. Mm, well, you guys are got to be fun to be around. <laughs> <laughs> no, usually you. You can, I'm also good at talking people into stuff, so I can talk them into doing stuff. All you have to do with a toddler is get them to say yes. Yeah. It okay. doesn't matter what it is. If you want them to do something, you start off by getting them to say yes. Somehow, uh, just get them to say the word yes. And once he starts agreeing with you, then you can, you can talk him into doing stuff. All right. Well, sounds like you got toddlers all figured out. <laughs> no. But no. That's the idea. Anyways, uh, Michelle. I don't think Judith, I don't think uh, Judith does either though, because I, 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 I don't have any experience where if you want somebody to go to bed, you don't just make them go to bed. You just let them run around and eventually they get tired. I, I have zero experience where that's actually happened. Hmm. Well, every kid's different. Must work for RJ. For, for kids. For me, absolutely. Yeah. If you want me to be tired, make me run around for half an hour and I'll go to bed right after, I betcha. <laughs> yeah, you probably don't even need the half an hour of running around. <laughs> no, just uh, go up two flights of stairs. I'm like, oh, okay, it's time for bed. Oh, so winded, <laughs> better lie down. Then the next thing you know, it's the morning. Yeah. All right, well, anyways, after they have their little chat, they see Ezekiel sort of in the distance off by himself on a horse. So Michonne tells the rest of the group to continue on to Hilltop, and she goes after him. She follows him, finds him on some kind of wooden lookout over a river, and he's standing there at the edge, staring into the distance. She approaches from behind, asks him to step away, but he doesn't, so she comes to him and takes his hand. Uh, After a moment, he turns to her, they hug, he's obviously really upset about something, and then he kisses her, which I gotta say, she doesn't really reject or object to well i don't know it it's it i think that she wasn't into it i'm not it was cons- a, i don't want to i don't want to really you know reject him strongly at this point because he's vulnerable and i understand that mm-hmm. but this is not something that i'm totally into no i don't think she's totally into it either but i think she's mostly surprised at what's going on 
Um, but I also think she wasn't completely not into it, right? There was there was something there. If if at nothing else, it's like, oh, this is unusual. <laughs> so she went with it for a little while, right? Yeah. Uh, but he apologizes f- for kissing her. Um, yeah, you should never apologize for kissing somebody. Well, I, uh, you shouldn't ever be in a position where you have to, I think. Well, that's that's the thing, is that if you have to apologize for kissing somebody, you should... Well, that's not good. You shouldn't so have been try, kissing them anyways. Try, try not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, anyways, we cut over to Lydia. She's by the laundry, hanging up, and she's digging up worms. You, I thought she was going to eat it. Did you expect her to eat it? Well... Sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what she used to do, old, right? Old habits die hard, man. Well, yeah, well, worms can be yummy if you get used to them. And... Yes, they can. I, I don't know. I've, I've never eaten a worm. No, but I expected her to eat it. Anyway, she doesn't because Negan comes up with a wheelbarrow full of laundry, I guess, to hang up. And she's upset about Gage and those folks about, and how they're treating her. And Negan tells her, you know, they're just trying to get a reaction. Don't give it to them. Uh, because that's what they want. And if you don't give it to them, then they'll probably just get more angry, but don't give them the satisfaction is what he's saying. Yeah. And then Daryl shows up and sends Lydia away and he tells Negan not to hang around with her. Right. Cause that's not right. You shouldn't <laughs> hang around with Negan. Uh, no, no one, no one likes Negan. Uh, Daryl catches up to Lydia and she says the same thing again, stay away from Negan but she says, he gets me. You know, he listens to me. We were just talking. Uh, and then they come to their house with Silence the Whispers spray painted on the door. Hey, that's the name of the episode. Hey, it is. <laughs> Somebody spray painted it. I assume it wasn't on there when she left in the morning. Yeah, So somebody spray painted it on there in the middle of the day. Right. That is weird, these, actually. These people are pretty brazen. Right, they're just they're uh, they're bullying her and and mocking her uh, in public during the daytime, and then they spray paint her door in the middle of the day. Nobody else seems to give a shit. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that, but they must have done it during the day because they would have noticed it earlier. I guess. Yeah, this this town needs a sheriff. Is what it needs. Well, its sheriff is dead, I'm afraid. Or well, it is, but they need gone. a replacement sheriff, right? They need to bring Timothy Oliphant in here, and that would uh, that would really set things straight. Yeah, you're probably right. I maybe they just need to pick someone to be the sheriff. I mean, they have a council. They need yeah. some sort of law enforcement. They do. They absolutely do. If this is a you know, and they're modeling this town off of uh, some kind of uh, pioneer village. Uh, right? Like, you know, the lawless West, but the law came to the West eventually and they had sheriffs and stuff and people stepped up. Yeah. And, uh, cause just letting anarchy rule, uh, even with a council, the council decides, you know, the direction of the town, what the town should do. Where do you plant the crops? Where do you build the windmill? Uh, that kind of thing. A sheriff needs to police the law, police the town to enforce the laws. Right. And at the very least prevent people from spray painting messages on doors or you know or punish them afterwards right because right? yeah. everybody has the right to break the law <laughs> unless you get uh, charged with conspiracy right uh, I, you don't you don't get uh, you don't get charged for thinking about stealing a candy bar you get charged for stealing a candy bar right so you have perfectly you have your within your rights to steal a candy bar i mean you'll get punished for it but 
until you steal the candy bar, until you spray paint the door, you're not breaking the law. No, you're absolutely right. Well, they need a sheriff. That's a good point. And when you think about it, there's not really any law enforcement at any of the communities. It's something they've just kind of not thought about, it seems like. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. They need, uh, they need the law. <laughs> they need to lay down the law. Well, maybe they will after the commercial break. When we come back, though, we are with Michonne and Ezekiel again. They're now sitting down on that wooden platform that he was uh, looking out off of. And they speculate briefly on them being a couple, but agree that it would never have worked out. And he mentions, uh, you know, maybe in another universe. Yeah. And I want to read an email from a listener here, and this is slightly spoilery for the comic. But the comic oh. is the comic is done now, everybody, so I'm not going to worry about it too much, and it's not that big a deal. But Caden from Alberta says, I like the fun little nod to Michonne and Ezekiel's relationship working in another world. That was a great reference to their relationship in the comic. Oh, so they do have a relationship in the comic. They do. Okay, that's fun then. That's a fun line. Isn't that fun? Maybe in another universe. Yeah, the comic Walking Dead universe where we were actually dating. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I like that. That's pretty good. Uh, Anyways, he starts talking and he thinks he failed because he lost the kingdom. He's lost friends, family, and loved ones. He doesn't really feel like he's got anybody right now. And I think he mentions that it's super awkward with Carol. And Michonne empathizes with him says that she was a long time ago in a really dark place when she was on her own and she used to think uh, she'd let walkers bite her, but she always ended up killing them. And eventually she says she gave up and that felt like a mask until it doesn't. Um, And Ezekiel says his mask saved his life, but he can only wear it for so long. So I was a little bit confused about their conversation here, to be honest with you. I sort of understood Michonne saying that I was in a dark place and I thought about sacrificing myself to the zombies. But then she says she, well, she uses the words gave up and it felt like a mask until it doesn't. I'm not sure exactly what that means or how it applies. So I don't know if you've got anything there, but telling a story about wanting to sacrifice her to the zombies, um, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure exactly what she's saying here. I'm, I'm with you. I don't quite understand. I'm more, I more understand the tree being an ant than what this, uh, what Michonne (laughs) meant in this conversation. Yeah. It's a weird one. I get it when Ezekiel says his mask saved his life. If you think about his mask as being his persona as the king. Yeah. That makes sense. We've talked about that before where people needed this. He provided it to them. It gave him something to do and it gave him something to live for. So I can see how that works for him. And I can also see how he could only wear it for so long. Eventually, especially after having lost a lot and friends and family and loved ones, eventually he might not want to do that anymore. But I'm just not sure of what Michonne's point was there. So uh, she goes on, though, to say, um, well, she talks about how you know, losing it all and how it's harder the second time around, which I think she's referring to Rick because she does say, without specifically saying his name, she kind of describes him, right? And uh, and then she says, and now it's all on you after you've lost someone. So I guess she's trying to say in this moment that there's, you know, a lot of 
when you lose someone, there's nobody there to help you through it anymore, or there's a lot of pressure on you to continue to survive when you might not really want to, which I can see, I can, I can see what she's getting at here, but I thought the whole thing was a little bit difficult to follow and maybe a little obscure in terms of a conversation. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really think anything of it when I was watching it and I watched this episode twice. Uh, uh-huh. I didn't really think, I didn't really have a hard time following it, but when you pick it apart, it's, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Well, that's the thing. Parts like, of it don't make any sense. Parts of it. Parts of it I mean, do. overall, the, the sentiment is, you know, the world is a shitty place. Uh, you know, we had some shitty times and eventually we'll get through the shitty times and the times won't be as shitty uh, in the future. So just hang on there, buddy. I get it. That, that totally sounds good to me. Like that's what she's saying, but I just felt like it was a little tough getting there and I wasn't sure of where it was going the whole time, but Michonne starts to cry a little bit at the end. And then before we cut away, we focus on Ezekiel's face and he gives his line again about, and yet I smile right in, in the face of all this shittiness. Yeah. I still smile. So That was to me sort of the moment where Ezekiel's like, okay, I'm, I'm okay now. I just had a moment there where I was, had some, some bad thoughts, but you've brought me back from the edge, literally. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Let me ask you a question though. Sure. I mean, this is a conversation between two major characters. Both characters have dreadlocks. I've never had dreadlocks. Have you ever had dreadlocks? No, no. Well, no, and I never have. I've had long hair, but not dreadlocks. Yeah, I've had long hair, but not dreadlocks. It must be hot and uncomfortable. Wouldn't well, you think? Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, especially if you're in such a hot climate like these people are supposed to be in. Yeah. Wouldn't it be like wearing like the, the world's biggest hat? that uh, Like a woolen hat, you know, when you put on like a, yeah. a, a big winter hat that has like a scarf attached to it and you wrap the scarf around your head. Wouldn't it be like wearing that? All summer long? That you can never take off. Yeah, I think it might be. It must be hard. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) anyone out there with dreads, let us know. What do you do in the summer? (laughs) Yeah. Is it it a challenge? I mean, I I understand how cool they look and everything, but uh, is is it, I I guess it would be a daily challenge to have dreadlocks and to to live with them. I mean, you can, you can tie them up, right? Like, so they're off your neck or whatever, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a, you know, I put my hair in a ponytail when I had long hair. Yeah, me too. Did you ca- do you carry elastics around with you? Well, not anymore, but uh, there was a time oh, where I wore... Did you? Did you? Um, I don't think I ever had extras, but I had pretty long hair for a while yeah. as a teenager, and I wore a lot of ponytails. Yeah, good times. They good sure times. were. <laughs> My hair would have dreaded. It was uh, like I have, I have curly hair. Yeah. Generally, so long hair, if I didn't uh, uh, maintain it on a regular basis, it would naturally just kind of clump up and dreadlock. So well, I could have had dreadlocks. I'm that would have been a really horrible look for me. I'm kind of in the same boat as you with my hair, thick, curly, sort of dry and frizzy. God, I don't know what the hell I was thinking back then. All right, well, let's give it a try, okay? Okay. You know, this time next year, we'll just grow our hair, and, uh, the, the, you know, if their hair is longer than uh, uh, our ears, I guess. I don't know how long it takes you to grow hair, but it takes me a long time. But we'll give it a year. We'll grow our hair out for a year, and then uh, next Halloween uh, time frame, uh, we'll dread our, we'll put in dreadlocks. You know, I don't, shot. I don't see that happening. I'd grow my beard for a year before I grew the hair right. on my head. What about cornrows? Could we do cornrows? Oh, that'd be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, Michonne and Ezekiel are walking back to their horses. They're kind of joking about him being a decent kisser, but he says, oh, I wasn't even on my A game. So, you know, don't take that as a good example of my kissing ability. Yeah. And he thanks her for coming to talk him down, which is nice. It is nice. We go back to Hilltop. They are still trying to rescue people from the smashed barn. More and more walkers are gathering outside the wall. So Luke, Magna, Yumiko, Kelly, and Connie run outside to fight them. In Alexandria, everyone is eating in a big hall together. And Lydia comes in, sits down at a table with her bullies, right there at the table with them. She slaps a squirrel on the table and starts carving it up, spraying blood all around. And of course, they lose their appetite and are clearly pissed off. Yeah, I mean, you don't clean your squirrels at the table. I mean, Daryl could tell you that, right? Well, that's squirrel cleaning 101. Do it not at the dinner table. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna clean your yeah. So she, this is really a, a fuck you moment. Totally, totally. That's it, what she's it, doing. Yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's not just a natural thing that she normally does. This is this is a thing to to get back at her uh, bullies. Yeah, she's weird, but she's not that weird. It, this is her getting back at them, but in a way, doing to them what they did to her. Something that's going to get them pissed off and get a reaction out of them. Uh, and clearly, it does cause a reaction because, um, well, after. You know, Daryl talks to her later on. He says, you can't do that. And he'll talk to them. But she says, you know, I don't want you fighting my battles. She won't give up. Later that night, she's by the laundry again. And they basically come and attack her. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Margot tells Lydia that she should just run away, trying to get her to leave. And they end up fighting. Uh, But Gage seems very reluctant. He doesn't want to join the fight until Margot eggs him on. Um, and you know, he eventually starts beating up on Lydia when she mentions Henry. Uh, and now they're all just kicking the crap out of her. She fights back, but then Negan shows up again and breaks it all up. And in the chaos, he throws Margot against the a nearby wall. She smashes her head, killing her. Yeah. Which is not good. Uh, Gage claims they were trying, they were just trying to scare Lydia and then Negan's handler shows up to, you know, break things up a little bit. So it's important to, to recognize that Negan didn't intend to kill her. Like he, he was just throwing her off of the, the fray and, you know, getting her out of the way. So he didn't purposefully throw her against the wall in order to cause her harm. He just tossed her, even like tossed her behind him. So we didn't actually see what happened. We, uh, we didn't know, like we heard there was a noise, but we didn't know that she was dead until we, uh, we found out a few moments later. Right. You, you heard the squishy noise, but he wasn't even looking, right? He was just trying to break up a fight. He grabs someone, sort of throws them back and, you know, tries, is trying to stop someone from hurting somebody else. Uh, Dan in Durant, Iowa writes, holy crap, skulls in this universe are 100% made of Nerf foam. Negan throws that girl aside and her head explodes blood from a foot down the side of the shed. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I've cracked my head harder than that in the past, sometimes on purpose. And, uh, I didn't die. Uh, no, you did not. But I guess it was just bad luck. She hit that wall just in the right way to cause her head to explode. Maybe there was a pipe sticking out of the wall, right? Yeah. Like you have those, uh, they're made of plastic nowadays, but uh, maybe it was like a metal pipe 
that they uh, they cut off in a very sharp way, and her head kind of squished against that. That would do it, right? You hit that thing hard enough, you're at least injured really bad. Yeah, that's what happened to Rick when he fell on all those rebar things, right? Fell on the rebar and it stuck through his gut. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's, it's that kind of thing, only uh, she was less lucky than Rick because uh, it hit her in the head. Definitely. Well, after a commercial break, uh, we have Alfred there. We're still in this scene. He claims that Negan killed her, but Lydia tries to tell them he didn't do anything wrong. She's already saying that. And so they take Negan away. Sadiq is there tending to Margot, but she's already dead. And Sadiq flashes back to Alpha's barn again. And kind of in between the flashbacks, he's looking around at the crowd of people that have assembled and it felt to me like he was feeling kind of walled in by them a little bit, um, yeah. claustrophobic, almost as if these people were were walkers surrounding him, right? So he's clearly in trouble. He he runs away, and we cut to him plunging his face into a bowl of ice water and screaming into it. Where do you get the ice? Well, I was wondering that too, but I don't know. I mean, I guess you can make ice in the zombie apocalypse, right? If you've got, uh, well, I suppose you could, but it's not easy. You know what? He works in the infirmary. Sometimes you need ice for thing. If they have generators for lights, you could have generators for a freezer. You can freeze up some water so you have some ice when you need it. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then he should know better than to use this medical emergency ice for uh, a screaming pool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could argue that you shouldn't use the water at all for a screaming pool because you do need clean water, and that's something that could be scarce at times. Yeah, and a little bowl of water is not going to muffle the scream very well. Well, I want I don't to find know. Out. I haven't I haven't tried it, but you know, might be worth an experiment. Some empirical evidence. Yeah, totally. If anyone's out there and you want to videotape yourself screaming into a bowl of water, I would watch that. Yeah, like a big bowl. Like, you, you know, don't go something big enough you could stick your whole face in. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to, how loud is that? that <laughs> I that don't know. probably won't muffle things. Probably just make it sound a, a bubbly scream. Yeah, it probably would. But what I'm saying is we need someone to do that and send in the video as part of the Talking Dead Research Department to find out what would actually happen. Yeah, yeah. Just go ahead and post it on social media and link. <laughs> send us the link. <laughs> It'd be great. <laughs> no context. Uh, <laughs> no, none at all. Um, anyways, that's what Sadiq does. And that seems to, well, hopefully it helps him a little bit. Uh, we now see Dr. Dante treating Lydia. Daryl comes in to talk to her and she's all weird in this scene. She talks about, I think how her dad didn't wear deodorant and he smelled uh -huh. bad, but he protected her. This is weird. It's a weird topic of conversation. I thought. Oh, uh, what? Your dad doesn't smell bad? I don't know. I don't smell my dad that much. Well, next time you see him, give him a great big whiff. See if he smells like garlic and onions. Okay. Well, and I'll try. I mean, I know my father-in-law smells like that, but that's different. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you smell him all the time. All the time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. You, when he, you, he comes to visit and you guys cuddle. He comes to visit and lives with us. My, my dad never does that. So. Right. There you go. Uh, but Lydia also reiterates in this scene that Negan saved her life. Right. Very, very important. Daryl goes to see Negan, who's back in his cell. He says, you know, apparently people are talking about putting him down. Negan says it was an accident, but screw Margot anyways. She was an asshole, you know? Yeah. He's trying to say it was an accident, but I don't feel that bad because she was an a-hole. 
Uh, and he also tells Daryl how clearly, you know, he doesn't know what to do about this. Uh, Daryl asks why he helped Lydia because he's no hero. And Negan says he's a sucker and started believing in their moral code. Right? He's just trying to, like, play by the rules in a way. Yeah, doing laundry and burying bodies. And saving people from bullies, right? It's yeah. Ki- it's kind of the right thing to do. It is. So, uh, so <laughs> Negan was there and his handler was there, but Negan was able to break up the fight, but the handler didn't do a damn thing about it. I know. Afterwards. The handler seemed to get there a little bit late. I think that guy needs to be reassigned because I'm not sure he's the best Negan handler. Maybe he's spending all his time listening to podcasts. <laughs> not paying attention to what he's doing. Oh, the free time you'd have to listen to podcasts in the in the zombie apocalypse. That would be well, so great. If things are going well. Yeah. You know, if you're, you know, you're in a safe place and you have a good f- source of food and a, and shelter and stuff and electricity and uh, the internet, then uh, listening to podcasts would be fantastic. But, you know, if you're on the run because you're being chased by a uh, a horde of zombies, uh, and you're you're stuck in the mall. Uh, it might you might not have a whole lot of time for listening. No, but you know, remember Grace on Fear. She had a lot of time to listen to audiobooks. That's true. Mm-hmm. I do listen to a lot of audiobooks, but I have very little time spent on uh, running away from zombies. Yeah, good point. Good point. A little bit, but not very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, and and, and even less time guarding people. But that that guard is awful. He's so laser focused. He's not even laser focused. He's just kind of lazily following Negan around. And what the hell is Negan doing out there in the dark anyway? Shouldn't he be locked up in his cell? It does seem odd. Like, you're right. Why is he out there in the dark <laughs> at night? There's no reason for him to be out at night. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe they walk Negan every night before bed to give maybe him a so little. So he gets tired. <laughs> That's right. Give him a little exercise, tire him out <laughs> oh, so he can oh. sleep. Okay, so we're not talking about uh, the toddler here. We're talking about Negan. Right. Negan needs to walk around in order to get tired. I do enjoy a good nighttime walk. See? Personally, I like to go out at night and just wander around in the dark <laughs> and have myself a good time just walk, wandering wandering the streets uh, while the sun is not up. Okay. I, I'm, I know I'm being a little bit facetious, but I actually do enjoy walking at night. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, maybe I actually, it's funny. I enjoy doing that in the dead of winter once in a while because sure it's cold, but if there's a lot of snow around, there's no, there's never any people. And like, if you go out for a walk on Christmas Eve, for example, everybody's in their homes doing Christmas stuff. Uh, nobody's out. There's no cars around. If there's lots of snow, it's really quite nice, especially if it's a clear night with the moon out and nice cold, crisp air. Pretty good. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity to look at your family right in the face and say, fuck you. I'm going for a walk. I can't stand you people. I'll be back in like six hours. <laughs> well, I think you may have other problems if that's the reason for getting out. <laughs> but it's the most wonderful time of the year, Chris. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, before this scene ends of Daryl and Negan in his cell, Daryl says that he'll have a chance to sell, tell his side and... As he leaves, Negan goes, who's the sucker now? (laughs) (laughs) So classic Negan. Yeah. Uh, Dan in Columbus, Ohio wrote, holy crap, did the walking dead or the walking dead made me feel sympathy for Negan. I am shocked. They're pulling this off. 
less Negan last year really paid off. I think so too. I, I agree. And it's funny because I can remember talking about, you know, putting Negan in a cell going, oh man, what are they going to do with this character? They can't leave him in a cell for so long because he's Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's a big name guy. They're going to want him on the show. Uh, and look at this. He's now been in a cell for a season and a half almost. And, uh, you know, he gets out a little bit now and obviously he's becoming part of the story, but I think they're doing it really well. They're integrating him into this storyline without bringing back old Negan, who was super annoying and also without making it feel totally forced because they want Jeffrey Dean Morgan as a bigger part on the show. So yeah, for now, well, for now, but you know, baby steps, do it slowly and it's working out really well. I think so too. So Daryl is walking around. He finds Carol sitting on the steps to the house. She's heard what's happened. And, you know, she mentions that with everybody talking about Negan again, it's like time never moves. (laughs) (laughs) I like that because in a way it's almost like a, it's almost like a fourth wall breaking sort of, you know, it's like, oh good, Negan's back again. Time hasn't moved at all, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was funny. Uh, but Daryl says he believes Lydia, and that's great. Carol claims this is all a distraction, though, and their real enemy is out there. But Daryl's point is if they don't fix all this bad stuff that's going on inside the walls, it won't matter what Alpha does because there won't be any community left. And that's kind of a good point. They sort of, and then they joke about how they should have gone to New Mexico and just left this all behind. But I get what Daryl's saying here. He's like, we can't let this fall apart because if we spend too much time bickering amongst ourselves and dealing with all this BS, we're not going to be ready for the whisperers or whatever threat might come from outside the walls. So we do have to deal with this. Yeah, it, that's true. I mean, it's it's shitty, but it's true. I think Daryl is suddenly seeing things extremely clearly and for Daryl in a very mature way, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's... He's totally changed. We talked last week about how Carol has evolved on this show as one of the most evolved characters, but I think Daryl is coming up behind her in second place, right? Considering where he was in season one to where he is now. I think so. You know, right. It's pretty amazing. He is coming along. Um, so the gang outside Hilltop fighting walkers, that's where we go next. And I gotta think, I gotta say, this was a pretty awesome Walker battle scene. Um, it starts really cool. The camera kind of panning around, moving around all of them. Uh, it looked awesome. We had some characters up on logs. We had others down on the ground, ranged weapons, you know, uh, hand to hand weapons. And I thought it looked really cool. I, I really enjoyed it, even though it was sort of short, but it was super fun. They kill a bunch but eventually there are too many and they have to retreat back inside. But Magna, she doesn't want to stop. She just wants to stay out there killing. And But eventually Connie drags her back in. And once they get in, the zombies kind of just crash down a portion of the wall and start streaming into Hilltop. So things have gone from bad to worse. Yeah, and that was a really cool shot too. It was a very wide-angle lens and uh, uh, with the zombies coming in, it was pretty cool. It was good. And, uh, I just thought the whole thing, the whole scene was really cool. It was one of my, uh, not favorite, but I think it was just a really well done sort of small battle scene with walkers. Yeah. And it gets better. Okay, cool. Oh, it does get better. Yes, you're right. 
Uh, so Michonne and Ezekiel, they all show up and join the fight. And I know what you're talking about. There's a fantastic scene of Judith and Michonne fighting alongside each other, both with swords. And I want to read Stephanie in Portland, Oregon wrote, holy crap. Did you see Michonne look at Judith with pride as they fought off walkers at Hilltop, just as Rick looked at Carl as they fought off walkers at the prison. It warmed my heart. Oh, that's so nice. It was nice. Being able to, you know, kill like a, uh, you know, a family that kills together stays together. Absolutely. Especially killing walkers. Any other comments though on that, that scene between Michonne and Judith here and the way they were fighting the walkers together? Yeah. There was, I can see the, the pride because Judith's form was really, uh, was really good. Like she was doing things right and it looked like she was, uh, you know, her, her skills and practice are coming along nicely. I agree. I thought it was fun. It was just, all that is true, but I also think it was just super cool to see like mother and daughter standing there both with swords, you know, as they take the, the ready stance or whatever. And the camera kind of pulls back from them a little bit. It was really, really cool and really awesome. I agree. Commercial break, and we come back with Daryl on the radio. First, he's talking to Michonne um, about Negan, and we get a shot of the council interviewing Gage and Alfred about the incident. They don't really have very convincing stories, so it's not looking good for them. <laughs> no, they're they're idiots. Total. And everybody knows it. Yeah, clearly. Uh, Daryl says that to Michonne that Negan is on the right side this time, which is, again, very mature. Daryl. He's come a long yep. way. I think so. Michonne says that they have to protect Lydia, otherwise it will escalate the conflict with the Whisperers and they both kind of realize that Alpha won't really attack them, or at least in a really significant way, if they do continue to have Lydia. And so she says to stay at Alexandria, they gotta keep this between them, and she asks Daryl to be her proxy when they vote on what to do about Negan. And then Oceanside radios Michonne, but we don't know what about yet. Hmm. We go over to the council again. They're discussing Negan. Aaron is claiming that he's totally broken. And this makes sense because of their interaction, you know, last episode. Uh, Aaron's not a fan of Negan in any way, shape or form. Sadiq, though, claims that killing him will undermine the civilization they've built. You can't just execute someone for this because you don't like him. Yeah, just like uh, uh, Maggie did with Maggie uh, did Gregory <laughs> with Gregory. Yeah, just you can't do that. We've learned that lesson, haven't we? You can't Look, just murder somebody because you don't like them and call it to justice. You, Gregory tried to assassinate her. Yeah, but there was no due process. Okay, that is a good point. That's nobody a good point. can. No council got together and said, "Yeah, we have to kill this guy." No sentence was pronounced. No thought was put into it. It was just like. Yeah, you're going to die. Sure. I'm going to call it justice. Yeah, yeah. But in this case, I think they've learned from that because now there is a council and there is some sort of due process and that's why they're sitting here talking about it. Yeah. But they're also not talking about it in the vacuum, right? They're not talking about, uh, you know, did Negan do right? Is uh, Did he not mean to kill her? Right. And was he protecting somebody? They're talking about it in the context of, you know, in the political context of, uh, you know, if we kill him, that would satisfy a lot of the people, but he didn't do, uh, he didn't do wrong necessarily. So if we let him live, then that'll piss off the people, uh, and they're going to go after him anyway. 
Right. Uh, so there's there's a lot to consider here. It's not just the uh, the you know they're not just deciding his fate based on his actions. They're deciding his fate based on the state of the community. Well, and that's exactly what Father Gabe says. He goes, "We shouldn't be deciding on things like this in the dead of night just because people are carrying pitchforks and torches." <laughs> like right. they're this is all wrong the way. Even though what they're doing is right, they're just doing it at the wrong time and for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. They need, a, they need a sheriff. They clearly need a sheriff. Um, but the other thing is, too, it's not an easy decision because, yes, it was an accident, but someone still died because of the accident. And you can be held criminally responsible for an accidental death of someone, especially if you're negligent. Yeah, manslaughter. Right, exactly. So there's a lot of things to consider here, and that's why we have complex laws in the real world, uh, which they need to, in some way, apply to this situation. But what they decide to do, though, is Gabe says, I'm going to take the night to clear my head and make a proper decision in the morning, and I suggest everybody else does that too. Yeah, he should have just stood up and said, I'm going to delay my decision for dramatic purposes. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I don't know if he actually went to bed, but he got up, took a walk at night to clear his head like you do. Right. So true. Good, good Father Gabe. Uh, where are we? We go back to Michonne at Hilltop now, and they're inside the, uh, the big Hilltop building. I forget what it's called, but they're organizing a group to go to Oceanside because apparently the call that came in, uh, whoever she spoke to claimed that the Whisperers were watching them. And they are now worried that they're planning an attack on Oceanside as well, because we had the attack on Alexandria, we had the tree on Hilltop, and they're going to do something to Oceanside. So yeah, she wants to go. Luke decides he wants to go with her because he wants to see Jules, the girl he was flirting with in the first episode. Yeah, and good man. I enjoyed this scene. It was a nice moment, sort of a lighthearted comic relief in a way. It was funny, and it was... It was real. Like people go places because they have a crush on other people. And that's what's happening here. That's why I go places. I know. Of course. Usually from your kitchen to your basement. Well, or upstairs. And occasionally. Depends on who I have a crush crush on at any given time. Occasionally to the bedroom. Right. Yeah. No, but I go outside the house. And when I go outside the house, I usually go someplace where I have a crush on somebody. Of course. Like the the lady that works at your local Tim Hortons or, uh, you know, Wendy's. (laughs) She is a nice lady, the lady who works at local Tim Hortons. She always says hi, and she uh, she thinks that my thermos is the cleanest thermos that anybody ever uh, gives her. She says it's always nice and clean. Well, Jason, you know what they say about a guy with a clean thermos. Yeah, he washes it after using it instead of just leave it in your car like a gross person. Exactly. Wash your thermoses, people. <laughs> Nothing like a dirty thermos. Yeah. That sounds worse than it is. Anyways. Uh, I don't think so. What, is it thermos a euphemism for something? No, but it should be. All right. Um, Eugene also decides that he's going to stay at Hilltop to rebuild the wall in another funny scene because he goes on about, you know, in his Eugene way, a very complicated way of saying that he's going to rebuild the wall. And Michonne's <laughs> like, um, you mean you're going to rebuild the wall? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he went a little far there. Like, instead of just saying, uh, I want to lend my expertise to reinforcing and rebuilding the fortifications, which, you know, a lot of big words for saying, I want to re- rebuild the wall. Uh-huh. He said the metaphorical gap and the metaphorical teeth. Just 
it's, it's a little much. It is. But, and I used to think Eugene was a little much all the time. But again, they've reined him in a bit. So I don't mind if we go like full Eugene once in a while, but not all the time. And lately it's been better. So this was the full Eugene moment. And now they're going to keep him reined in a bit for another bunch of episodes, I think. Okay. Well, let's see. But it was funny. Anyways. Uh, upstairs, Magna has been listening to this. Yumiko comes up to her and Magna's upset about not staying outside to kill the walkers earlier. And there's clearly some issues between them because I think Magna is sort of feeling unheard or underappreciated a little bit. Um, but they're having, you know, a bit of a lover's quarrel, shall we say? (laughs) Well, yeah. You're not my lawyer anymore. Yeah. Was she a lawyer in real life? I don't know. I think this is a little bit of a backstory. Like, uh, maybe she was her lawyer when the zombie apocalypse broke out. Yeah. And, uh, and they were, you know, working together. Michonne was a lawyer too. Don't forget. That's true. Hmm. We've got a lot of lawyers. More doctors. I mean, this show's easier on lawyers than doctors. It is. So far, all the lawyers have survived. Most of the doctors have been killed. That we know about. Except for Gregory. Gregory, what was he before? He was a... Oh, I don't know. Weasel? Did we get his backstory? Seems like he was a lawyer to me. I don't know why. Could have been. I don't know. Politician, maybe. Oh, yeah. Politician. I could see that. I could see that. Well, um, we'll find out more about their troubles, I imagine, at some point. Uh, but we go back to Father Gabe. It's the next morning now. He goes to see Negan in his cell, but, oh my God, Negan is gone. Dun, dun, dun. It's totally one of those moments. Uh, and we cut to him banging on Daryl's door to tell him that he's disappeared. Mm-hmm. So commercial break and we come back and Father Gabe is talking to Aaron. He says the keys are missing. Lydia comes out as they're talking, says, yeah, I let him out and walks straight into the jail cell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daryl comes to let her out of the jail cell and he says, you know, I know you didn't do it because you never left the house last night. Uh, so her whole motivation was just to be locked up because she thinks this is obviously where people want her and she's sort of blaming herself for everything that's happened with Alpha and Henry and so on. She says, Alpha was right. You people put on polite faces, but when things get bad, you know, you pick a target and you shoot to kill. So she's worried about being a target constantly and I guess feels like she'd be safer locked up in this cell. And it reminds me of the way Negan was feeling last episode when he said, look, people are all amped up to 11. I don't want someone to take that out on me just because I'm there. Yeah. Right. And that looks like a very cozy cell. I don't know if we ever got the, a really good shot of that cell beforehand. All we saw was bars and people in bars and Negan throwing a ball against a wall. Mm-hmm. But uh, this looks very cozy. There's a chair and some books and a nice made cot with like blankets and stuff. And there's, looks like there's lots of space in this cell. I wouldn't mind spending time in that cell. I mean, for a jail cell, I suppose, but it's still a cell. It is a cell. Uh, He's got a a book, books and a chair and stuff. Yeah. Well, and and a pot to piss in. Negan's lived there for a long time now. When you consider it's been more than six years, you would hope that they'd give him at least a few comforts, you know? Yeah. A rug. Maybe a rug, yeah, so the floor's not so cold. You'd think that yeah. would be nice. Anyways, um, she feels safer in there. She wants to live in there, and, you know, 
and then Daryl closes the cell door. So I guess he's going to let her live in there for the time being. Now the song starts again from the beginning. The one, two, three whisper chant starts and we see Ezekiel back at Hilltop assuring Jerry that he's okay now. So it was a very short-lived moment of trauma for Ezekiel. Not that it wasn't important or, you know, a big deal for him, but he does seem to be back getting it all together again. Yeah. Hilltop appears to be recovering in general. Uh, they are loading up for Michonne and the crew to hit the road. Luke is saying goodbye to everyone and they leave. Cut back over to Alexandria and Carol is up on the roof of the house looking down. Daryl's cleaning graffiti off the doors and the camera kind of pans around the town. We see Silence the Whisperers written all over the place. So it wasn't just on their door. Whoever was doing that, and we assume it was, was um, Gage and Alfred and uh, Margot, but they wrote it all over the place. And finally, the camera is pointing at it in really big, large letters on the wall. And the sound kind of crescendos, gets louder, and suddenly cuts out with a shh whisper sound <laughs> and then yeah. cut to black the episode's over so um there you go silence the whispers all because someone was painting that on doors and walls around alexandria uh but otherwise another great episode in my opinion it was pretty good i don't think it was my favorite but uh, it was still uh it was still pretty solid it was yeah i think there was lots of good stuff to like here some good walker stuff Great character interactions, especially between Michonne and, and Judith. Um, I totally, I totally believed the Ezekiel stuff about how he was kind of suffering. And I think this sets up some pretty interesting things with Negan being in the position he is in now and having, well, having disappeared. I don't, who knows where he is, if he's escaped or if someone let him out or what's going on but the whole idea of him being accused of of something which isn't you know where in, in where he actually did the right thing and how the rest of the community is going to have to deal with that i think that's super interesting and overall i just thought this was an, another solid episode for season 10 so like season 9 before it where there was barely a bad episode in the bunch we're on a pretty good roll here for season 10 as we get through the first half of it. Yeah. it. Uh, yeah. So far, this is great. It's really good. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap up our recap of the whole thing. So thank you for listening to it, everybody. Uh, I do want to say that there may not be a feedback podcast this week. I'm really, really sorry about that, but there's a couple of reasons. The main one being that Thursday night is Halloween, as we've talked about, which means things are kind of busy. The kids are out and about doing stuff. You're trick-or-treating. I'm doing things, trick-or-treating, giving out candy, whatever. And then I have to travel for my stupid day job early in the morning on Friday, yeah. which means I don't have a lot of time to organize a podcast and get my shit together. But if I understand correctly, we're going to try Thursday night because my Thursday night, I can tell you that taking Jasper out, I still plan on putting him to bed around the same time. Yeah. Let's, let's pencil in Thursday to try to make it happen. I mean, 
my kids are going to be up a little later than usual because of Halloween. That doesn't mean I can't record. It doesn't mean they don't just sort of go to bed on their own at their age. So that's, that might not be a problem, but I do have to get up super early Friday, which again, hasn't stopped me in the past, but I have to get up to catch a flight, which you don't want to miss. Um, and and we'll see. I, I don't know. The other the other thing is I have a ton of work to do before this trip to get ready for it, which means that, you know, tomorrow is kind of a write-off for organizing the feedback and, and reading the emails and all the things I do to get ready for that show. So we'll have to see. If if the next two days go way better than expected, then we'll do our best to make it happen. But if we don't get to do a feedback show this week, I apologize in advance and maybe we'll try to do a little extra next week. That being said, this business trip I'm on goes from Saturday to Thursday. So it's going to screw up next Thursday night as well. Um, But hopefully not next Tuesday night when we talk about the next episode of The Walking Dead. And the the actual other weird thing is that I'm traveling next week as well. So we're going to have uh, a f- completely remote episode on Tuesday, but I still, I don't have any problem. Like I'm traveling next week, but I, uh, I managed to uh, book my travel schedule around the podcast. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm good for the regular times and days. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I will be in Orlando, Florida at one of the Disney resort hotels, not on vacation. Unfortunately, I am there for a work purpose. Uh, I am going to do my best to get on, get into Star Wars land and do the Millennium Falcon ride because I want to. Uh, and I think it would be awesome. So that's the kind of thing I'd probably talk about on an after hours segment as well on the podcast. So we'll have to see how that goes. But all I'm trying to say is, it's a wacky couple of weeks and I apologize if it screws up the podcast schedule. We will do our best to not let it, but sometimes you just have to let something go and we'll, we'll see what happens here. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, we'll do our best, but don't let that stop you from sending in some feedback and comments, including title reads, uh, because we are going to want some of those. And the next episode of The Walking Dead is called What It Always Is. And so that sounds like a good title for someone to read. What It Always Is. Mm-hmm. What? It Always Is? Exactly. You see, there's lots of ways you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, so do those anyways, and uh, I'll I'll put them on the podcast whenever it comes. Uh, and of course... You can do, you can send those in by emailing them to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send us voice messages by visiting the website and clicking on send voicemail at the top. That URL is talkingdeadpodcast.com. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead and leave us reviews and ratings and stuff like that on Apple podcasts or other platforms where you get your audio content. Those kind of things are great and a really fun way, <clears throat> excuse me, a really fun way to, to, uh, just help get us out there a little bit more. It's really, really awesome an awesome thing to do. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Until next time, whenever that may be, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Chris and my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.